Good morning. I want to welcome all the visitors today. I want to let you know that at the conclusion of this lesson, we'll have an invitation song, and elders, one of the elders will, will come forward and pray for those who have needs. Also want you to know that today is the Super Bowl, and you might think of this as an uh, analogy. We have Kevin Hahn is the regular preacher here, and he is gone today. So you're stuck with a third-string quarterback. <laughs> However, it worked out for Ohio State. So we'll see how it does for you. That's about the extent of my football analogies for today. So. But in football, there is a lot of math. There is a lot of scoring, and there's a lot of uh, statistics in it. So we're going to talk a little bit about math. But we're going to go kind of easy because it is early in the morning. So we're going to talk about three math symbols. The first one I want to talk about is this symbol right here. So this is the not equal sign. Not equal sign. As we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22, if you want to keep your finger there, we have a case of different groups of people. We have different people that, that Paul preached to, but they were different in perspective. And sometimes we're, we're surprised that people are different. Sometimes we're not. You have to excuse me just a second. I'm not really that nervous, but I do have something to show you. Let me, I'm going to demonstrate here something about differences in people. Many years ago, I went to South America and I saw people carrying binoculars cases. They were walking around. And I thought, man, those people really love birds. Because <laughs> I saw them walking around with these things all day long. It was very, it was very interesting to me because I'd never seen that before. Would you like to know what's in there? Some of you, well, let's see. Actually, it's, it's not binoculars, oddly enough. So what they have inside is a thermos filled with hot water and they have a metal straw and they have a gourd or a receptacle where they put tea so they drink tea out of these things but from my perspective all I'd ever seen anything close with binoculars I was thinking boy they really love that so people are different people have different habits people have different perspectives and so when Paul's talking about these two different groups you can appreciate that these are different. Let's read this again. In 1 Corinthians 1.22, it says, Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. You can think of the book of Acts as a book that, that reaches people ever-increasing circles. You can think of uh, chapter 1. I'm sorry. Why? Chapter 1 uh, has all the disciples of Jesus. All the disciples of Jesus. And then next chapter 2, you have Peter talking to people who formerly were enemies of Jesus. 
Peter tells them to repent on the day of Pentecost. In the book of Acts, you have the question of, can Jews who speak Greek be saved? What about Jews who live outside of Jerusalem? And in Acts 6, we see the seven servants are selected who are to help widows who, were speak, who are Greek-speaking Jews. What about Jewish religious leaders? Can they be saved? When Acts 6, we have the fact that many priests were added to the church. What about Samaritans? Ever since the time of, of Ezra and Nehemiah, that's been a question. What do we do with, with Samaritans, those who aren't quite Jewish people? In fact, at the time of Jesus, a Samaritan woman wasn't sure if she could even talk to Jesus. But in Acts 8, Peter and John talked to the people in Samaria and preached to them. In Acts chapter 8, it talks about Gentile converts to Judaism and the Ethiopian eunuch. And then finally in Acts 10, we have Cornelius, who is a Gentile. And so the question is, can Gentiles be saved? So we have all these different people. And so the question is, if we're all so different, how do we deal with different groups? Does the gospel change for different people? Let me ask you a question. Speaking of differences, if you think about horses, if you think about horses, what's the sound that a horse makes? Well, maybe I should turn around so y'all can do it so you're not embarrassed. What's the sound a horse makes? Okay, I didn't see anybody do that. All right. If you ask somebody in Argentina, that would be incorrect. I'm going to turn around so I don't embarrass myself. This is the sound they make. Do y'all can hear that or not? In fact, I embarrass myself and do it in front of you. It's... Because the sound of a horse makes in the city is the clomping of their hoofs. It's the... It's on the cobblestone. That's what all the children hear. They don't hear the neighing sound. So if you ask a, a little child, they're going to hear those, those footsteps and they're going to think that's what a horse is. So if you think about that, if we can't even agree on the sound of a horse makes, we're going to have difficulties getting along with each other and talking about something in common. So we have people are very different. So people are different from each other. So, that's our first math symbol. We have another one. This is the equal to sign. And so even though people are different, in some ways they're similar. Some ways they're similar. We have some sayings that people are the same wherever you go. People in India, people in Chile, also believe that family is important. The book of James talks about how we need to take care of the less fortunate, how we all have the same basic needs. We need food, shelter, health. And in Galatians 6.10, Paul admonishes us to remember that. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Paul reminds us to remember the poor, the orphans, the widows, that they have needs like we do. Paul says, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And we can think of 
the fact that everybody's the same in some ways because everyone came from Adam. Sometimes we, we forget that everybody needs the gospel. Sometimes we, we forget about those in the missionary field. Sometimes we think um, perhaps they're different from us. They have different needs than us. Um, they live differently. Perhaps they don't have air conditioning or cars or free Wi-Fi or things that are important to us. But in fact, we have that feeling uh, that, that comes up every so often. In fact, in our songbooks, there's a song that was written almost 100 years ago, The Gospel is for All. And the man who wrote that wrote that because people thought, why should we send missionaries? Maybe we need to just preach to people here, people like us. People who are different from us, maybe they won't respond. But in Acts 17, verse 26, Paul is in Athens and he's talking to them about how people are similar, how people are very much alike. In Acts 17, 26, Paul says, speaking of God here, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. So God made everyone from one person at the very beginning. People are also the same because God accepts people from every nation. Let's look at Acts chapter 10, verse 34. In Acts 10 and 34, Peter's talking about the situation with Cornelius, who is a, a Gentile. Peter understands as a Jew that God first spoke to the Jews as his chosen people, but now he wants everyone to obey. Acts 10.34, so Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And so again, as, as I mentioned before, that's one of the central points of the book of Acts, that God wants more and more people, more and more people to come to him. As we started off, very small group of people in Acts chapter 1, it expands all the way throughout the Roman Empire at the very end of Acts. People are also the same because God shows no favoritism. Let's look in Romans 2. Verse 9. Romans 2 verse 9. Paul says that there will be a, a judgment coming up for Jews and non-Jews, for Greeks and non-Greeks, for all people. Romans 2 verse 9 says there will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. The Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. But people are also the same because all have sinned. It's easy for us to think that we're better than some other people. Those uh, who go to the prison ministry, we have to think about those who are in prison. Why are they in prison? Well, they've done things that are wrong. Sometimes we think, well, I, at least I haven't done something worthy of prison. Sometimes we think there's big sin and little sin, that 
that murder is bad, but stealing is, is not so bad. But we have to recognize that all sin offends the holy God. So if you look in Romans 3.12, Paul talks about this issue, that we have a need because we all have sin. We all do what's wrong. In Romans 3.12 it says, All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. In fact, Paul is quoting from Isaiah. And let's turn to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, verse 6. It says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And back in Romans 3, verse 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So people are all the same because we all have the same need. We all have sinned and we need to fix that problem. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, it describes people as children of wrath, meaning that we're destined to make trouble and destined to be in trouble. Ephesians 2 verse 3 says, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But there's good news. We can all share in the same salvation, regardless of race. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, Paul talks about this opportunity that we have. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13 says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. We can share in the salvation regardless of race. Flipping back a few pages in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. We can also share in the salvation despite the different sins we might have had in our past. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So we can all share in the same salvation regardless of sin, regardless of race. But we find ourselves all in, the, in a similar predicament. We're going to look at the last symbol. Now, this often causes confusion. And I forget how it goes, whether it's the alligator goes one way or the other, but those of you with kids know what I mean. So this is the greater than sign. The greater than sign. So, this is 
kind of an unpopular notion that some ways are better than others. A lot of times we have the notion that, that all roads lead to Rome. That doesn't really matter what we do. Live and let live. We should ad- agree to disagree. We can attend the church of your choice. And as Orville mentioned in his talk, there are many options that people, that people think about. Jesus, just, Jesus is just one of many teachers that we could listen to. But the Bible says that some things are better than others. Some choices are better than others. Let's look at Psalm chapter 1 verse 6. Psalm chapter 1 verse 6 says that the way of the wicked is hard. It's difficult for the disobedient. In fact, all of chapter 1, Psalms chapter 1 talks about the difference between those who are faithful to God and those who reject God. Psalm 1 verse 6 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The next book over, Proverbs 11.5 says, Proverbs 11.5 says, The righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight, but the wicked falls by his own wickedness. So God does not show favoritism, but some are in a right relationship with him, and some are not. Some are in a better position than others. Peter talks about this in 1 Peter 1.17. In 1 Peter 1.17, Peter talks about the difference in these two groups. He says that God is impartial, but some ways are better than others. 1 Peter 1.17 says, And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So some things are better. It's better to be on God's side. It's better to follow God. It's better to be redeemed by Jesus. And the book of Hebrews also talks about better things. It contrasts the Old Testament with the New Testament, the Old Covenant with the New Covenant. And the book of Hebrews says Jesus has become the guarantee of a new covenant, of a better covenant, better promises. Let's read in Hebrews 8 verse 6. In Hebrews 8 verse 6, it says, As it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. So, in the old covenant, The people of Israel had special blessings, but we have even better blessings. We have more privileges. We have access now to the blood of Jesus. Returning to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, Peter says there's honor for those who believe. There's a blessing for those who believe. But there are problems for those who don't believe. 1 Peter 2, 
Verse 7 says, So the honor is for you who, who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not obtained mercy, but now you have received mercy. So the saved have privileges, have blessings that those who disobey God do not. So the question is, how do we get into a relationship that is better? How do we get in a right relationship with God? Let's look at John chapter 3 verse 16. We have to know about the love of God. In John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So we have to know about the love of God and believe that God has demonstrated his love by sending Jesus. We also need to know about the grace and mercy of God. In Acts 15, once all is said and done and, and talking about what should we do about Gentiles, what should we do about different people in the church, the question is, will different people be saved in different ways? Maybe there's a Jewish way and a Greek way, a Jewish way and a non-Jewish way. But in Acts 15 verse 11, the summary is, we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, speaking of the mercy and grace of God, it says, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together through Christ by grace, you have been saved. So we must understand that there's grace and mercy available to us, and we have to accept that grace and mercy. We have to accept that gift of God. We have to seek reconciliation. We have to seek a way back to God. We have to, to seek that relationship and correct our relationship with God. Ephesians chapter 2, in the same section, it talks about how we're able to have two groups of people be reconciled with God, how we're able to, to come back to God, whether we're Jew, Greek, whoever we are, we can go back to God. Ephesians 2, 16 says, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. So Jesus is our peace. Jesus is the way that we get back to God. Through the cross of Jesus, we're able to have this opportunity. No matter who we are, we have the need to go back to God, the need to have a right relationship with God. And so we need Jesus 
And we need to follow him because that's the better way. So how do we become reconciled to God? Well, we need to understand the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul reminds us what the gospel is. What exactly when we say gospel? Gospel is good news, but what does that mean? In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, Paul says, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. So the gospel is the fact that Jesus died on the cross. Jesus died, was buried, and was raised on the third day. So that's good news. So, but how do, we, how do we obey the gospel? How do we connect with the good news? Well, we have to imitate what Jesus did. We have to do what Jesus did. And Paul explains this more in Romans chapter 6. And he says that we can imitate Jesus. We don't literally die on the cross. We aren't literally buried in dirt. But we are able to copy Jesus. We are able to imitate Jesus. Romans 6 verse 3 it says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we could no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. So we imitate Jesus in his death, in his burial, and his resurrection. So just like Jesus died, we die symbolically to our old self, to our old ways. We stop following our desires. Just like Jesus, we're buried, but in water, not in dirt. Just like Jesus, we come up and we're raised. We have a new life, living for Jesus instead of living for ourselves. So as we close, we can think we're, we're all different. We all come from different families, different countries perhaps, different backgrounds, but we all have the same problem. We all have the same need because of sin. We need to be back in a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from God. We need to figure out how can we get back to God. And so we have the avenue of copying Jesus, of imitating Jesus, of imitating his death, burial, and resurrection. So you... We don't have to be stuck with the old way, without hope, with the old covenant, with broken, com broken promises. But now we have the new covenant. We have hope. We have better promises. We have a better way to live. And that's to follow Jesus. So if you're tired of that old way and want something better, I invite you to come while we stand and sing.